Hi, and welcome to a Novel Ending Podcast. We're your hosts, Joanna and Kat. We chat about all things revisions, the fun stuff, the not-so-fun stuff, and the seriously, I've written like 10 novels now, why doesn't this get any easier stuff? Join us while we share our enthusiasm and tips to help you tackle your next draft before it tackles you. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about character issues and how we revise to solve them. But first, we have our question of the day, which is, would you rather have to change your point of view or cut a character in your most recent manuscript? Okay, my most recent manuscript is a middle grade fantasy, and I feel like there's already not a small amount of characters, but smaller-ish, I would say, for kind of high fantasy. So I would change point of view. Right now, it's in third-person point of view. So it would be a lot of work, but I would probably flip it to first over having to cut a character. Okay. My current manuscript, or my most recent manuscript, is a YA fantasy. And there are a lot of characters. Because that's how I do. So it would seem to be an easy decision to cut a character. And I think that's my decision. Except I believe there's a purpose for them all. So, (laughs) Um, However, I would just have to figure out how two of them could be one, I guess. I just don't think it would work in first. Maybe that's just because I really like third for fantasy, personally. I don't think your story would work in first. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to cut a character. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So speaking of too many characters, Mm -hmm. so we have a list of kind of our character issues and then how we would go about to fix them. Our first one is too many characters. (laughs) Too many characters. I feel like we've sort of spoken to this in the last few episodes since we've been talking about character, but every character should have as many purposes as possible for layering in depth. I mean, they shouldn't be too complicated or be juggling too many balls, obviously, But if one person can do five things, for example, you don't want five characters to each do one thing. They will not be as fleshed out. You won't have as much time to flesh them out. They won't feel as real if they have less to do or are serving less purposes in your manuscript. Yeah. When you're looking really critically at your characters and you're deciding, oh, maybe they don't have a point. If you can cut them completely, you know, I think that's great. Or if you can combine them. So like in the example Joanna just used, instead of having five characters each do one thing, combine them into one or potentially two characters. And yeah, that will only help your story and serve your main plot better. And it will arguably make your job easier because you're not juggling as many characters. Yeah. You've definitely written books with, I think, bigger character mm-hmm. casts than I have. And, you know, it's hard work keeping track of all those characters. Yes. And making sure that people don't forget them, that they stand out on the page, which definitely to some extent, if you're writing epic fantasy, there's a bit, you know, the reader has to just go with it. I mean, Game of Thrones, it takes a while to learn everybody, right? Mm-hmm. She says not having read or really watched much Game of Thrones. Um <laughs> But I do think that in especially adult fantasy, there are always a ton of characters and you, the reader doesn't always know, can't always like, as soon as they come up the second or third time, they're not always like, oh, I know exactly who that person is because there's been a million people showing up on the page. But that is the struggle, right? As much as possible, you want to make sure that the reader always knows who you're talking about and who that person is and what else they've done in your story. So the more characters you have, the harder your job is. Yes. 
So our next character issue is characters getting lost in a scene. I actually think this pertains more to your main characters. So when I think of scenes like this, it's your main character is definitely in the room, but they're, say, witnessing two other people having a dialogue. And it's just two pages of these other characters talking. And then your main character chimes in with the sentence and you're like, oh, yeah, so and so was in the room the whole time. (laughs) A way that I try to make sure that your character is still showing up on the page is when you're listening to people, you have internal reactions or like commentary kind of on what's being spoken. Mm -hmm. So just lacing that through a little bit just to make sure that we're remembering like who's all in the room in a certain scene. Right. Or if you have a big group of people, family, if you want to have a family dinner with seven people at the table, you can't just forget about one of them for most of the time. You can't like place them there and then have them never say anything like then just have them be at an appointment or something. So they're not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another character issue is characters that are super tropey or cliche for Revising these, this is where I think character sheets and coming up with backstories would be really important. But no, is there like, what do you do to untrope your characters? I could be wrong about this, but my gut feeling is that cliche characters are superficial. Generally, Mm -hmm. they don't have as many layers to draw them out of being a cliche. So I feel like really the way to fix a character you're worried about being a cliche is to go deeper. So yes, why are they like that? What secret part of them are they hiding that makes them not like that that might come out at some point? Or just more about them. What more do they like? What more do they think? Like go deeper. To me, a cliche is like a paper doll on the page. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're juggling 30 characters, it's hard to make 30 characters deeper and different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think a way to not fix it is to not just like throw more, almost more cliches at the character. So if you have a, a YA novel and you have a varsity sports star, I know sometimes those can get, you know, like the star basketball player, like those mm-hmm. can get kind of, you know, cliche. And I don't think the way to add on is like, oh, but they have a hidden passion for drawing. Because I also feel like characters who like to draw is becoming cliche. Like, I've seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. So the question would be like, okay, but why? So like, just constantly asking, but why? It, that digging deeper of, you know, they need to have a reason. You can't just right. keep adding like, oh, and they bake on the side. Well, right. okay, right. but why? <laughs> right, right. So you can add random things, but make sure you're asking why and having a backstory to it. Like what part of that ties into their past that makes it important to them, not just that they like it, period. Mm-hmm. Also, if we're talking about like a varsity sports star, what do they do with that? Do they teach younger kids? Do they coach? Do they assistant coach? And that is just broadening their life on the page, Mm -hmm. even if it's related to this thing that they're a cliche because of, you know? Yeah. I think some other character issues that are pretty common are characters without agency. I think, too, if you're writing a story, a fantasy or an action story with a big villain, a lot of times you can lose track of character agency because the villain is so powerful and doing so many things that the main character has to react to. But that main character needs to really be pulling that story along. It cannot 
or write it from the villain's point of view and let them be the main <laughs> character with the agency. I have definitely read some stories where the character with the agency and the character that everything's happening to is like the best friend. And I think sometimes authors, and I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, when you're starting out as an author, you don't want to be as mean to your characters or to tackle hard topics. Some hard topics are hard to be in that point of view and that like brain and like putting that on the page as the experience of the main character. And so it's the best friend that you're helping, you know, the main character is helping their best friend go through all these things. But really, that's not the main character's story, then it's the best friend's story. So you need to make sure that your character has agency. And to me, that agency means that they're making choices and they're taking action and they're propelling the story by their choices and action. They're being proactive and not letting others make decisions and act for them. You don't want a reactive character. I mean, they're going to react to things, but that percentage has to be lower than their proactivity. Mm -hmm. And I hear some authors use this argument because in real life, there are plenty of people who are reactive and, Mm -hmm. you know, not all of us are proactive at every moment. Mm -hmm. So they are like, oh, so that's how my character is too. They just like, I don't know how they react. So I just don't have them reacting. And kind of my argument to that is, well, then they should make a bad choice. Authors shouldn't be afraid to have their characters make bad choice. Like it doesn't always have to be the right choice or the perfect choice. Bad choices are what adds conflict and interest Mm -hmm. in stories. So I don't think authors should shy away from, you know, your character just throwing choices at the wall and going with it, you know? Yeah, there's a fine line between being reactive, being that kind of person and that being your arc. Like maybe that's your arc to be reactive into being proactive. That's a fine line to walk. I also think it's a fine line to walk to be passive. And that does go along with agency, I guess I feel like, that you have a passive character and and that's what they need to learn is to not be passive. But that's a really fine line to walk in the beginning of your story. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, and I think sometimes a passive character has, maybe this leads us into a next character issue, characters with no clear goal or desire. If they're passive, they might have a goal or desire, but they're not working towards it. They're just letting people move them like they're a chess piece, right? I think that this is a huge, huge deal, wouldn't you say, for the beginning, first chapter or two of your manuscript, that that character that people are going to be following and want to follow for a whole story have to want something or have a goal, and that has to show up some way or the other on the page that they have motivation of some kind. Yeah, I would say the number one reason I do not finish a manuscript or not a manuscript, like an actual published book (laughs) would be because I just can't get behind the main character. And that's usually, you know, boils down to the first few chapters. If by especially page 50, I have no idea why I'm reading a whole story about Mm -hmm. this character that seems to have no desires. I'll put the book down. So yeah, I would say this is definitely very important. Yeah, definitely. You want to make sure that it's clear. And I talked about this in an early episode, kind of consistent throughout the whole story as well. And then one of my biggest disappointments with finishing a book is... I'll kind of say to myself, like, wow, I just read a beautiful book about nothing. Mm -hmm. And that to me is summed up by characters that don't change by the end. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like prose was fine and things like that. But when you feel like nothing happened, Mm -hmm. it's usually because, yeah, there's not that. Right. We don't we don't want to feel like we're being beat over the head with a lesson. But we want our character. We want our main character to learn a lesson and change. Otherwise, why are we reading it? Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes that is intentional, maybe with a side character, like we talked about in our last episode, how some characters can be more immobile, like things to contend with in our main character's life. But if it's your main character, they, I'm not sure that you could get a book picked up today by an agent or an editor without character change for the main character. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will frustrate the reader often too. If it's unintentional that your character doesn't change by the end, if you're going into revisions and you can look at the beginning of your story and the end of your story and your character really is the same person, would make the same decisions even after this situation they went through during your story, if that's unintentional, I definitely think that's something to address and to address in revisions and to make sure you write character change in your story. And it doesn't have to be that they win something big. It can be that they surrender to something abstract or that they no longer believe what they believed in the beginning and they have a different worldview now, or they learned a lesson, or they change dramatically. It can be quiet, but it has to be there, right? Yeah, it has to be a change, and changes can look like many different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So yes, I think that another character issue is, we sort of spoke to this a little earlier, being too nice to your character and not actually putting their feet in the fire. Again, back to like the best friend being the main character, helping the person who really the story is happening to. Sometimes this can mean you're in the wrong point of view or the wrong person's head where you need to think about really whose story is it. But if you're writing multiple points of view and something is happening and your character could have been there and in the middle of that kind of conflict instead of hearing about it, I think that's where you want to be. You always want to choose the point of view that's in the middle of the conflict, whether it's who you're picking to tell the story, one point of view, or whose head you're in when you have multiple points of view. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's important to keep in mind that you should be mean to your main character, not just being mean to like the side characters. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of, gosh, I, I don't know if it was in a movie or TV show or something, but someone was making a joke like, if you are friends to like this type of tropey character, you know, best of luck to you because it's always the friend that gets it, you know, the friend or the wife or the spouse or, you know, that always just gets the short end of the stick there. And your main character is able to walk through fire completely unscathed. It's like you don't want that to happen. You want the drama and the conflict and the bad things to happen to your main character. That's who you want to be worrying about. You want to draw as much emotion and anxiety out of your reader as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So another character issue if you're juggling multiple points of view is if some of your points of view don't have strong plot points. You know, I think if you have a point of view, everyone everyone's paying attention to their point of views all having an arc. But I think you also want to pay attention to if, the, if all those points of view have an inciting incident in their life. It can be the same inciting incident that's affected them all differently, or some can be less affected by it, or it can be a slightly different point of view. But I think that it's important to at least being paying attention to that. And if you don't have a point of view with an inciting incident and a midpoint crisis and a climax for their character arc, that you need to know why they don't and have a really good reason why that's not, you know, so if you think of each of your points of view as its own plot arc and their own character arc. Um, you need to at least be aware of how that's going. Yeah. Once upon a time, I wrote a 
Cinderella retelling that was Cinderella mixed with the Count of Monte Cristo. So it was like a revenge take on the classic Cinderella story. And I had four points of view. So I had my main Cinderella character, whose name was Evelyn. I had her two stepsisters and I had the prince. So the love interest. And the critique I got back from an agent was to cut the two stepsister point of views, which I ended up doing and ended up making the story a lot stronger because ultimately they were two characters that didn't change. Mm -hmm. Like they had really unique voices. Mm -hmm. So that's why like I loved writing their point of views and why I gave them on the page chapters Mm -hmm. in the initial drafts. But yeah, ultimately they didn't change. So it didn't really serve the story, like they didn't have arcs. So I put all the perspective on my main Cinderella character and then like the prince. Yeah, and it totally made the story stronger. And if you pull something like that, that's just great fodder for newsletters or excerpts and things to share that aren't going to make it in the book, but that people are still going to maybe be interested in on the back end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So if you feel like you have multiple points of view and they don't all have strong plot points or they don't have any plot points, consider that like if they maybe shouldn't have a point of view or stick them into a plot point some way. Try to plug them in to one of the plot points that are already happening with another character, you know, throw them all together at some point or the other. Or maybe that point of view should be someone else who is also in the story, but currently doesn't have a point of view, but who is there in the middle of some of those plot points. Mm -hmm. And another um, character issue, which we've also spoken to in some past episodes, I think, is character inconsistency, which is partially final revision type stuff to some extent. But it's always good, I think, to make sure you know what your character is thinking and to build your scene around what your character is thinking instead of building what your character is thinking around your scene. Because if you want the scene to happen, and so your character is going to think this, that's not going to feel consistent necessarily from where they're coming from. Yeah, when I think of character inconsistency, I just immediately think of the last season of Game of Thrones (laughs) and how there were just a number of characters who the things they did just made no sense based on the path that their character arc had been on. And it was very frustrating. And I know like many fans felt the same way. But yeah, you want to make sure that, you know, especially towards the middle to the end of your novel, the choices and the action your character are taking are consistent with the path that you've had them down. And that even if it's a choice you don't agree with, you know why they did it. That shows up on the page. It makes sense. Yes. Of course, they wouldn't choose another thing, even though you want them to choose the other thing. It makes sense why they didn't. Whether because their fear shows up so much on the page that it's obvious or their greed or whatever, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that is all of the character issues we have. The next few episodes, we are going to continue talking about characters, but they are going to be some interview episodes. So get to hear from some other writers and how they tackle revising their characters and other character issues. Thanks for listening to another episode of a Novel Ending Podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review and by sharing this episode with your community. And make sure to check out our website, anovelending.com, to learn more about what other services we offer. Happy revising!